standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, December the 15th, episode 320. We had a special report this morning and a late episode this evening. It's been a busy day. Before I do anything of any consequence in this episode, I am going to dedicate 30 seconds of silence to a friend of mine and his family back home in Wisconsin. Thank you for allowing me that indulgence. Mike, I don't even know if you're a listener of mine or not, but just know that Amy and I cherish the time we had when we still lived in Wisconsin with uh, you and our friends and your family when you had them and we had ours. Ladies and gentlemen, on with the show. The show must go on. The... The uh, abiding issue here is that when a loved one dies and they're they're good with their maker, if you will, they go to meet their maker and they enter into joy. While it stinks for the rest of us that are still on earth without our loved ones, we know that they've gone and entered into joy. So that brings us peace eventually. And for everybody that's different and they grieve different. So, what I'm going to try and do is jump back in here, and it's going to be a challenge. But here we go. Uh, Number one, times change, tactics evolve. Once upon a time, when I moved to McKinney, Texas, it was a small town. There was about 50,000, 60,000 people here. It was on the edge of country, and it was, um, I'd say, quite conservative, definitely country-rooted, and... I guess if you were going to give it a color, I'd say it's bright red. That isn't the case anymore. It is still what I would call pink or uh, reddish purple with 200,000 plus people. And the Cowley County is over a million. Times change. There are things that are shocking, disturbing to those of us that pay attention to these things and uh, quite frankly, the the toleration that our community or our society puts up with, or I should say the toleration of evil that they're willing to put up with, is something to behold. And you can only beat so many people over the head with that for so long before it ceases to have effect. So the tactics have to evolve. We have to approach people with things that they do understand or that they're willing to talk about or that they're willing to consider. And while for those of us in what some have called an echo chamber or what some of us would say are are a little in crowd, we get riled up about certain things, but the general public, they just don't care. And And I've always thought it wasn't so much that they don't care, it's just they don't know. But they've been conditioned for 40 or 50 years to just not care and to be happy to not know. 
they're in the uh, bliss of unknowing. And, and I wonder sometimes, is that beneficial long-term? You know, I've heard Gerald Salente say on more than one occasion that it's a tireless, active minority that makes all the change. It's the people that keep on keeping on that make the change. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know, even as things have changed and even as uh, the situation or the culture has evolved, there are active and important things that can be done, right? Or I should say activities and important things that can be done to change and adjust what's going on. The, the cattle once out of the barn are not easily put back in if they don't want to go in, if you will, right? The old phrase of the horse has already left the barn, that's all true and well, but it doesn't mean that you don't try. It doesn't mean that you don't adapt. It doesn't mean that you don't address the issue. It's just how and when you address the issue becomes an issue, right? So I, I could tell you something's wrong and I could tell you why I know it's wrong, but if you don't accept my rationale or my reasoning for that being wrong, you don't care. So I have to speak to you in a language that you understand, a language that makes sense to you, even if you don't completely understand it, but it's at least translatable. And I think part of the reason why the conservatives fail to conserve anything is they just don't know how to communicate anymore. They don't know how to speak to the culture that they've abandoned. And it'd be almost better to say the culture abandoned us or them, the conservatives. You know, the Benedict option, it it offers a solution, but within that solution is the pitfall that when you cut yourself off from everything else going around you, you really don't understand what it is that's going on. It's the whole concept of being in the world, but not of the world, right? I mean, this goes back, it's a very biblical statement, so I mean, it's nothing new, But it goes back to like when I was in high school and it was the big struggle. How can I be in all of these things, but not be of them, not, not become a part of it, which is not to say that I was any stellar model of a student in high school, but that was a struggle and we all knew about it. We all understood it at the church, right? Well, you know, you really shouldn't be doing these things. They're not ideal. They're not beneficial. Maybe they're permissible, but it's not going to look good, but now, in today's day and age, pretty much anything goes. There's no restriction. And so, if I don't change the way I'm approaching the issue, if I'm, if I'm not communicating in a way that people are willing to listen, what good does it do for me to talk? What good does it do for me to try and convince somebody of that failing or that problem if they're not interested in what my rationale is behind it? So again, we have to be willing to accept that the times changed, right? It's not the same place it was before. Doesn't necessarily mean it's better or it's worse. I mean, a lot of arguments can be made that there are a lot of things that are worse, but in some cases there are things that are better. It's just different. So we have to adapt and evolve how we approach these things. Now, sometimes that doesn't work. The, and 
we've adapted and we're trying this approach and it doesn't work, but we have to be willing to acknowledge this isn't working and try something else. And again, because conservatives loathe change, they don't want to even change their tactics that continue to fail, which is why they have conserved nothing, in my opinion. So the second issue or the second thing I want you to think about is you have to hold the line, right? The problem, and it goes back to the issue number one, is conservatives don't conserve things because they don't adapt. But holding the line means you have to actually stand for something. You have to actually mean what you say, but you have to have grace. Now, if you've paid attention in the last three years, there were churches that immediately opened back up. You know, they, they gave the benefit of the doubt. Okay, maybe this is really bad and scary thing. And, you know, we don't know what's going on. So we're going to take a little pause until we figure out what this health crisis is. But they immediately opened their doors back open. They they immediately started uh, revitalizing their communities. They stayed active and they did what they needed to do to, well, one, preach the word of God and two, continue to fulfill their call to community. If you're not willing to do that, I'm going to suggest to you, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So when I say hold the line, we know what's right. We need to be doing what is right. We need to model what is right. But we also have to be fully aware that pagans don't believe the same thing. Pagans are going to do what pagans do. We can't hold them accountable to the same things that we believe. Now, Again, even if you take out the fact that I'm a Christian and I have a Christian worldview about how I do things, somebody can be a non-Christian and almost entirely line up with me and agree with their worldview. And they may also feel like, well, we can hold the line and hold people accountable for these things. But there are other people that don't agree with us, that whether they're pagans or not pagans. I mean, there's some progressive Christians I would have a real hard time uh, accepting that as a person, but I acknowledge that I don't know their hearts. So we have to hold the line and we have to be grace filled when we're talking to these people and say, we're not going to do that. We don't think this is wrong. We're not going to physically stop you from doing that unless it's harming somebody else or unless it's truly detrimental to something else. But we're going to tell you that we don't think this is a good idea and this is why and we're not going to partake and we're not going to tell you we're okay with it and we're not going to celebrate with you and we're quite frankly just not going to be okay with it. We're going to tolerate the fact that you're going to do these things because that's what we're supposed to do, but we're not going to pretend it's good and we're not even able to do that in many cases. And it's now come to the point where the very same government that Christian conservatives ran to a couple of decades ago, begging the federal government to define marriage and quote-unquote protect marriage. Now, if you are a Christian, you believe marriage was created by God. It was ordained as a sacrament. Why in the world would you go to the federal government and ask them to protect it? You don't need the federal government to do that. Marriage has withstood every empire. Marriage has withstood every religion. Marriage has withstood all of these things. It's still there. It's between a man and a woman and they have children and they submit to God and they grow and they become families and clans and tribes and cultures. 
why would we be concerned about these things? It's because we gave the authority to the wrong people in the first place. But if we would have just held the line and said, yeah, government, you don't have any business defining marriage. You don't have any business in marriage, period, at all. A marriage is between three entities, the man, his woman, or the woman and her man, and God Almighty. Nowhere in that does government come into play. Now, when you add children, they become part of the family, but they're not bound to government either. Unless, of course, you're foolish enough to send them to government schools, in which case now you've got government in your life, whether you wanted it there or not. But that's a different story. But again, hold the line and be graceful. Have that tolerance that we've always preached, right? We're going to tolerate some of this behavior because you're pagans and we don't hold you to the same uh, level that we hold other Christians at, right? That was that was what the church taught. That's what many Christians believed. And it's got flipped on, on its head now. It's we're the ones that are intolerant. We're the ones that are the bigots, whatever isms that they want to throw at us. And we need to be stomped out. And it all falls down on the idea that we were foolish enough to go to government to seek their help and their protection when we never needed them in the first place. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, again, let me pause one more time and just say, look, if you're not a Christian, you don't believe in God. Okay, that's all fine, well and dandy. But what I'm saying doesn't affect you. It doesn't hurt you. Even if you nominally agree with the liberty things that I espouse, my Christianity doesn't cause you any suffering or any pain. Likewise, your pagan or lack of Christian faith or ethic doesn't really hurt me either. And I don't seek to punish you for not being my brand of Christianity. You know, unfortunately, in our sordid history, the Catholics and the Protestants fought amongst each others, and then they went after the Anabaptists together and various other sects, if you will, within Christianity. But they've made peace with this. They've moved on. They, they've accepted that. But for very few things, this stuff isn't worth fighting over with weapons We've moved on. I suggest that we continue to hold the line, whether whether we explore some version of the Benedict, op, Benedict option or whether we explore some separation. It, it really has so many ways that that could play out. But the, it all boils down to is we have to remember who we serve. And if you're a Christian, you serve God Almighty. If you're not a Christian, that's fine. But I would suggest to you that you don't serve government either. Right? I mean, you can go look up uh, some of the other authors, Locke and Payne and even Jefferson. They weren't what you would consider your standard Christian philosophers, but they would tell you flat out that you have liberties apart from government. They're not given to you by government. So you don't need me to tell you this. You ought to know this already. And if you were actually being taught properly in your schools, you would know this already. All right. Uh, issue number three. We're closing in on 20 minutes here, and I want to be respectful on time. I guess there was a little bit of a kerfuffle on Twitter um, a couple of days ago regarding uh, the Texas movement, the Texas, Texas nationalists. They are letting it be known that they're going to be down there on the first day of the new session, making sure that everybody knows that there is a groundswell of support 
for the referendum on Texas independence. Now, again, let me reassert my statement here. You can support the referendum without supporting Texas. You can support Texas and I don't know why you wouldn't support the referendum, but you might be opposed to the referendum. You may say it's meaningless or unnecessary. Okay, fine. But support of a referendum does not equate with support of Texas itself. This is one of the things that I brought up when I was on the platform committee this last go-round at the Republican State Convention. If you believe this is just you know something supported by crackpots and just a you know a silly minority of people in the state of Texas, then why do you care? Why wouldn't you want this put out? Why wouldn't you want this to go to a vote of the people? Let them determine whether or not they think Texas declaring independence is a good idea or not. So it was brought to my attention that Jared Patterson, who is a local state rep in the uh, Metroplex, referenced the idea that he's spoken to both of his constituents that are Texas supporters. Both. (laughs) Kind of sounds like somebody describing my show. Well, Callus, you and your two listeners. Okay, I I see your two listeners and I multiply that by 100. How about that? Or 1,000. Who knows? But. I'm going to tell you, if you live in Collin County, if you live in Denton County, if you live in Tarrant County, Hunt County, Grayson County, hmm, Cook County, if you live in any of those counties and you have a state rep that you can get a hold of, I would encourage you to call them and say, hey, we support the referendum allowing we the people to determine whether or not Texas ought to look into reasserting its independence. And you can do that with a clean conscience because you're not even stating whether or not you are in support of that passing, just that you would like it to be put on the ballot. You know, it's interesting. We, the United States, always support other countries seeking their own popular sovereignty. We we supported plebiscites back in the past. We we've allowed for other countries to separate peaceably. We've you know proclaimed that once separated they're independent countries and should be protected, Ukraine. Yet we're not willing to allow for that possibly to happen with our own country. Keep in mind There are a lot of people in California that would like to see California become an independent country. I support that. There are a lot of people in, uh, I guess, Vermont that would like to make Vermont an independent country. I support that too. Why? Because people have a right for self-determination. They have a right to exercise popular sovereignty. And I don't know why we're so afraid of that. You know, it's been tried twice in Canada, and both times the Quebecers chose to stay as part of Canada. Great Britain chose to leave the EU because, quite frankly, it was not a good deal for Great Britain. Scotland had an opportunity to leave Great Britain and become their own independent entity, but for whatever reason, they didn't want to. It can be done peacefully and constructively. And I, for one, would look highly towards 
the debates, the arguments, and the education that would take place in the process of having such a referendum. And I don't know what people are afraid of. So, if you're out there, if you're in the Metroplex, and you have a state rep that you can get a hold of, you should call your state rep and tell them, I support them putting on a referendum. It doesn't mean you support it one way or the other, just that there should be a referendum. And I'll go you one better. If you've got their email address, you should email them. And, you know, while we're at it, if you want to do the snail mail thing, fine. Or you can call the uh, switchboard down in Austin. They have to record every one of those calls. They have to record every one of those pieces of mail that come in. Tell them you support the the referendum. I would love nothing more than for Justin Holland... Jeff Leach and Jared Patterson to get a few thousand texts, emails, phone calls, and snail mails telling them, hey, you know what? I get it. You're afraid. You don't want people to have their voices heard. You don't think Texas has the ability to do this, whatever your excuse is. But we, the people, think we ought to be heard. We, the people, think we ought to get an opportunity to express our opinion on the matter. And in case you're wondering, when we did do this in the Texas um, convention for the Republican Party of Texas, it was at roughly 90% passage. And there was more than one plank that referenced Texas declaring its independence. And both of them received roughly 90% of that vote. So if, if the Texas state reps would like to continue to pretend that this is an insignificant minority and they're not worth their time, then perhaps we ought to remind them that they work for us. Well, in any case, that is my three for Thursday. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope that you found it relevant in your life. Helpful. And if you did find it, I don't know, entertaining, educational, informative, please do me a favor. Like, subscribe, share, comment on the show. My email is super easy to find, as is my cell phone. Call me. I'd love to hear what your feedback is on this. I do this, try and get it out five times a week, just trying to get the word out, trying to encourage our people here in Collin County, Texas. We can make a difference, and I am that one guy that just refuses to shut up and go away. And with that, this was According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.